I'm delighted to be able to introduce our, our speaker for today. She's been a, a long-time ministry partner in my life over the last 46 years. 46 years, yeah. And uh, I couldn't ask for a better partner in the gospel and wife and, and a grandparent together, parent. Just, uh, I love Brenda's preaching. I know you do too if you've ever heard her talk. So give uh, Brenda Mickelson a warm welcome as she comes to church. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I'm going to be preaching on why are there trials and what should our response be in life when there are trials and hard things that happen. And I'm going to make a comparison of God's way and really, really, really not God's way. So I'm going to start with talking about Joseph. Now, do I have to stay behind this because of the camera? I can't walk all around. Is that true? I can walk around? Because <laughs> that's kind of fun then rather than just standing right here. So um, if you know the story of Joseph, it's in the book of Genesis. starts in the 37th chapter. And thank you, Pat. I love to have Pat play when I preach. Music is a vehicle for the spirit. Joseph um, was the son of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. He had four wives. He didn't really probably want four wives. He loved Rachel. And uh, she is the mother of the last two sons, which are Joseph and Benjamin. So if you don't know this story, you should read it in Genesis. It's one of the best stories in the Bible. So Jacob, 12 sons, his last two sons are Joseph and Benjamin, the sons of Rachel, who he loves the best. And he really honored Joseph. He kind of picked him out and let him be sort of the favorite, which isn't the best way to raise your kids. But he gave him a, a coat of many colors. It was very beautiful. It was a mantle. And his brothers were jealous of him. He also had these two dreams, if you remember the story. One of them, his sheaf of wheat rose up, and their sheaves all bowed down to him. And he told his brothers this dream. I had this dream. You all bowed down to me. Then he told him this other dream. The sun, moon, and the stars all bowed down to me. And even Jacob, his father, was like, wow, Joseph, these dreams you're having, you know, like, wow. So one time when he was away from home, they were away from home with their sheep, whatever, they saw him coming and they said, here comes this dreamer, let's uh, kill him. And I, one of them, I think it was Reuben, said, let's not kill him, or maybe it was Judah, I don't know. But they sold him to some traveling um, Egyptians, sold him into slavery into Egypt, which is the death of a vision. He had vision on his life. He had this vision. He had greatness on his life. But here he is, sold into Egypt as a, as a slave. And they later talked about it. They said, didn't we hear the anguish in him and the pleading in him? But we just did it. We just sold him away. They, they killed an animal, put blood on his beautiful coat, showed his father, this is what we found. And he's like, oh, Joseph was killed by a wild animal. And that's the thing they did and deceived their father and just sold him. So once he's down there, he was purchased by Potiphar, and it says in the Bible that the Lord was with him, and everything went good in Potiphar's house because of Joseph, and so Potiphar put him in charge of everything in his house. And Joseph was 
uh, a princely young man. He had management skills. He was smart, and he so he ran everything. And Potiphar's wife thought he was cute. She wanted to do some bad things with him. He said, "No, that's wrong. I will not do that." And in her being rejected, she was angry. She told Potiphar, "Well, he, you know, he came on to me and." This Hebrew you bought, and so Potiphar got angry, put him in prison. Prison in Egypt, prison in Egypt. Double death of a vision. Not just a slave right now in Egypt, a felon in a, in a prison in Egypt. He was 17 when they sold him. He did not get out of prison till he was 30. So his whole youth was stolen basically by his brothers. Years he could have been with his father. His Brothers, his younger brother, just taken from him, and so the guy in the prison also recognized greatness on Joseph, and and、uh, that God was with him and made him in charge again of of the prison, and so these two former、um, employees, you know, of of Pharaoh are there, and they've had these weird dreams, and they don't know what they mean, and Joseph sees them, why the long faces, and. They're like we had these weird dreams. We don't know what they mean. And he says, "Interpretation of dreams is from the Lord. Tell me your dreams." They tell him. He he interprets them. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And exactly the things happen. In three days, the baker Pharaoh had him killed, and the cupbearer he restored him to his position. And Joseph's like, "Don't forget me. You know, talk. Tell Pharaoh about me." And get me out of here because I'm innocent. I didn't deserve to be in here. But he didn't remember. But then, pretty soon, a couple years later, Pharaoh has these two very significant dreams. If you remember the story, they're very important dreams. Pharaoh knows they're important dreams. Nobody in his court can can tell him what they mean. None of his wise men and sorcerers and all his little Egypt guys. But、uh, the cupbearer remembers. Oh, oh. There's this Hebrew, this young Hebrew guy. He's he's in the prison, and we had these dreams, and he interpreted them exactly what he said happened to the baker and to me. He can do it. So they clean him up and they get him out of prison. Joseph is out of prison. Awesome. And right in front of Pharaoh, and、uh, Pharaoh's like, okay, so I hear you can interpret dreams, <clears throat> and he's like, excuse me, I'm I'm preaching through a haze of. Multi-symptom dayquil. Okay, so <laughs> try not to have this cold. Go away. Anyway, so <laughs> anyway, what am I saying? In front of Pharaoh. Oh, he says, "Tell me your." You know, so ter- Pharaoh tells him his dreams. I'm really going to try to <laughs> make some sense today. Tells him the dreams. He he is just he just knows exactly what to do. One in the same dream, they were given to you twice because God has firmly established it. There's going to be seven years of abundance. Then there's going to be seven years of such drought and famine that we're not even going to remember the other seven years. And here's what you should do, Pharaoh. This little guy, this felon out of the prison. Here's what you should do, Pharaoh. Appoint a wise man to go through the land during the seven years of abundance. Collect a fifth of the grain all over the land, and then when the Years, seven years of drought come, you will be able to save these people, and and Pharaoh knows this interpretation is right. He 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 senses it, and the whole court, and he says, "Who is more wise than you? You have the spirit of God in you. 
God showed you that interpretation, and Pharaoh knows it. So they put Joseph in charge. He goes throughout the land with the skill, management skill that he has. He was he used to be this felon, you know, Hebrew, and now he's one under Pharaoh. And he he just takes that authority, goes through the land for the next seven years, and I guess they build silos or granaries or whatever. But all the grain gets collected, a fifth of all the grain, so much so that they quit counting. It was so much grain. So then. The years of famine come. Everyone turns to Pharaoh. Ah, we don't have anything. And he says, go to Joseph. Go to Joseph. And Joseph, again, with his management skills and his wisdom and the anointing of God, disperses the food to all of Egypt and other countries come in. Also, so Jacob up in Israel hears there's grain down in Egypt. He sends the ten sons, not Benjamin. He doesn't send Benjamin, the other son of Rachel, the wife that he loved. He's not sending Benjamin because he doesn't want something to happen to him. So the ten brothers come. And here's Joseph. It's been 13 years. They don't know what happened to him. He's um, dressed like an Egyptian. He's speaking Egyptian. They don't recognize him. You know, they bow before him. They talk to him. He basically tricks them. You know, like, you're spies. I know you're spies. He has to, like, be able to get Jacob back down here and Benjamin back down here and I back down to Egypt. I don't think he could trust his brothers and just say, hey, I'm Joseph, go tell dad I'm alive. Because you, tr- you can't trust those guys, they're sneaky. So he tricked him, he's like, you're spies and I'm going to keep Simeon. And so Simeon got put in prison. And he said, don't come back here and next time unless you've got your brother with you, your younger brother. So, you know, they eat all the grain, it's been a year, they come back down with Benjamin. Jacob's like, why did you ever tell him that I had a, that you had another brother? But he, he finally he reveals himself to them. Remember the story? <clears throat> it's one of the best. It's one of the best stories in the Bible. And he would cry. He'd see them, and he'd he'd go off and he'd weep because here's my brothers, my brothers. I think he loved them, and and they rejected him and just put him through so much terribleness. And and he was not bitter. He was sweet. The, the working of the Lord had made him into uh, a good, good person. And he finally revealed himself to them. They were shocked and stunned. They had to go tell their dad, this, he's alive and this is what we did. Here's the real story, what we did. <laughs> they were busted, really busted. But, <laughs> but he was so kind to them and he said, what you meant for evil against me, God meant for good. And he, it says he, he, he spoke, he was comforting to them. He spoke kindly to them. Um, he was nothing but nice. He could have been like, there's my treacherous brothers. I have all the food and all the power. I will show them, you know. And he didn't do anything like that. He was not interested in revenge or unforgiveness. All right. Keep that in mind, that story of Joseph. Awesome. He was pretty awesome. I'm going to talk about four. I'm going to show you four really seriously bad guys. Okay, where's why do we face trials? Where's the bad guys? Oh, I'm going to talk about Nazis. I'm going to talk about Hitler, Adolf. There he is, the Führer. You got another one? Heinrich Himmler. You guys know about him? The head of the SS. Their black uniforms. 
They had a skull on their hat. The SS was the most feared of the Nazi soldiers. They were brutal. They wore this intimidating, you know, jack boots and this black uniform. Everywhere they went, they did whatever they wanted. They were like totally in power and, and terrible. Okay, um, Hermann Goering. <laughs> I picked the worst pictures on purpose. <laughs> so he was head of the Luftwaffe, remember that? The head of the Air Force. And he was a thief. He had so many artifacts from, you know, they, they would go into the Jewish houses that they'd sent them away to be killed. They'd take all their artwork and all their, you know, jewels and furs and any, you know, household beautiful treasures. He, he had a house full of beautiful things. But that happened. A lot of the Germans did that. A lot of the Nazis did that. Okay, so then the last one I've got. Look at him. <laughs> he really looks awful. This is um, Joseph Goebbels. Goebbels. He was head of the propaganda. Talk about false, fake news. He was the fake news king. He, um, he told them whatever Hitler wanted to tell them and uh, changed truth all the time and he was loyal to Hitler but this is what they're like okay why am I talking about these guys um, they hated Christianity they thought Christianity made people weak so I want to talk about Joseph who yielded to the Lord yielded to trials yielded to testing and these guys who uh, had this German folk religion kind of like and they believed we are Aryans we are Aryans we are Germanic we are Aryans and we are the very best of people they had this whole system they believed in and anyone under this is an untermenschen you are a subhuman you literally don't need to you don't deserve our respect we can treat you with contempt because you're not as good as us they really honestly believe that so then they, when they went into Poland and when they went into Russia, and they were so cruel, and they were so powerful with their panzers and their bombing and their soldiers and uh, rockets, and they treated people with absolute contempt without, seemingly without the burden of conscience. I don't have to feel bad about this because you're not as good as me. We are Aryans. We will take this land. If we let you live, you can be our servants. You will never be anything more than that because you're not as good as us. They really believe that. We are Aryans and we're the best. We are spiritually best, which is really ironic because they're so not spiritual. But um, they went into Russia. They surrounded Leningrad for over a thousand days. David was telling me they... There was a time during that siege when a thousand people a day were dying in Leningrad. They were starving and frozen and no food, no, nothing. And they just, everywhere they went, they caused so much destruction. They were like Satan. It says that he does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. They stole from everybody. They stole wherever they went. They stole all their stuff. They killed whoever they wanted. You know, they just about wiped out the whole gypsy population of Europe because you're subhuman. We'll send you off to Auschwitz and kill you. And they did. They did. And people that were mentally, uh, you know, troubled mentally, they'd, they'd send, put them in institutions, send a letter to their family. Oh, they died of, you know, pneumonia or something. When No, they killed them. They killed them. So... 
wicked. They were wicked and really um, thought that they were, you know, this is the right thing. We are powerful. We're coming in. We're dominating. We are taking your land. We are going to go all over all of Europe, all over Europe to France and clear to Russia, and we're going to have an Aryan kingdom someday. That is what they believed. Now, I'll tell you, remember the story, um, Corey Ten Boom, uh, The Hiding Place? So Oscar Ten Boom, her father, had this watch shop, watch and clock shop, and they had a, a old Jewish guy who's an employee, and he would fix watches and clocks. And they hired a young German man. And this older German guy would come in to work disheveled and troubled. And sometimes he was actually bleeding. And, you know, Oscar Ten Boom would be like, what is happening to you? So finally he said, this young man, I think his name was Kurt, keeps shoving me up against buildings and pushing me and harassing me on the way to work. So they had to, you know, they had to... Um, fire him we can't have you and as he was leaving this young German man you know he called Oscar Ten Boom you, you pious Bible reader and um, looked at all of them and said now you are going to see what Germans will do you know what Germany can do so you see it's not just those guys that we showed you the bad guys it was taught all through the country you can hate Jews you can be terrible to them you can hate gypsies you can hate weak people you can hate the poles when they went into russia all across the steppe remember this the big land there they just bombed and burned and killed village after village of these simple russian peasants they're just farmers miles and miles and miles of it and when you know they had two different campaigns against the russians and Finally, the Russians were able to push them back as the other allies were coming in from the other side. They're closing in on Germany because it had to be stopped. But they were so powerful, it took a long time. They had Europe by the neck. Anyway, as, as the Russians were finally coming back towards you know, Berlin, towards Germany, they saw all the destruction that the, Rus- that the German army had done to all of the peasants and the villages and how cruel and by the time they got to Berlin they were in no mood to be merciful so anyway now I'm going to give us some scriptures it's kind of weird talking about those guys on a Sunday morning but they were real they really did those things they caused so much hurt and suffering on the earth and so I want to look at the whole thing of them saying Christianity makes people weak because they liked dominance and intimidation but it was so bad and wrong so why um, why are there why are there trials let's look at this first verse John 16:33 these things Jesus Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed be you know that night these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace In the world you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This is a fallen world. It's not heaven. Heaven will be beautiful. No more crying. No more death. No more tears. Everlasting joy. That's not here. We can have joy in Christ. We can have joy in him. But this is not heaven. I remember Charity when she had Xavier, her firstborn. This little boy with this little round head. 
and a little sheen of orange, which was the beginning of his glorious red hair, you know, this little orange head. And I remember her saying, I'm sorry that you're born into this fallen world and I don't ever want you to get hurt. I suppose you will be, but I wish I could keep you from ever getting hurt. You know what a mother feels like, oh, you're so cute and so innocent. I wish I could always keep you from anything bad. I just remember that like, yeah, it's a fallen world. So, okay, we know that um, bad things happen because of sin, because of um, illnesses, accidents, just things that happen. This is, that's what happens in this world. Okay, what should our response be? Now, let's keep remembering Joseph, and let's remember our little Nazi friends over here. What should our response be? 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time he may exalt you, casting your care on him because he cares for you. One version says casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now think of Joseph. Um, in the proper time, God did, did lift him up, didn't he? But it was a long time. It was a long time of being in prison unfairly. But I believe that he humbled himself. So here's mighty hand of God. Here's us. Humble ourselves under. Mighty hand of God over us under. Humbling ourselves under him. That is the stance that we take. And in due time, he will lift us up. And we can, in the midst of that, we can say, God, this is hard. God, I'm not doing so well. Please help me. We can cast our cares on him because he's a personal God. He loves us. All right, let's look at another one. What, what should our response be when there's difficult times? 1 Thessalonians 5:18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know when you're in a hard time, does it feel like you want to say, Oh, thank you. <laughs> it probably doesn't, but if the Bible says we can do it, we can do it. Bible says we can do it. In everything, give thanks. So when there's hard things, I mean, we can just say it with our mouth because it's the right thing to do. God, I thank you because you are my God and I cast my cares upon you. I humble myself under your mighty hand. So it's not, it's a challenge in everything give thanks, but it's what the Bible says. All right, it's another one here. Hebrews 12, 11. Now no chastening or trials or hardship seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. What God is interested is in is our soul. He's interested in us getting mature, um, being godly. He's not interested in power, these power people, and we will, we were, we will do what we want to do. He's not interested at all, and I will tell you, all four of those men that we saw, they all died at their own hand because... You know, the allies had, were, were coming, and they just uh, weren't going to fall into the hands of the allies. All, well, anyway. Um, they did not come to a good end, and they had caused so much destruction, so much death. The Russians had 20 million deaths at least in World War II. 20 million. 
of their people. Un, you know, they didn't provoke war. They just, they just came in there and killed so many people. Um, all righty. So chastening, you know, it doesn't f- seem that great, but it will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. God is interested in us having righteousness in our heart and being there's a there's a beauty that is formed in us let's keep going james 1 2 through 4 this is a good one my brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience and patience let patient ha- patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing one version says perseverance the patience is perseverance i'm going to keep going what is perseverance perseverance is doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success so think about joseph he had a lot of difficulty i'm in prison i can't become anything great i'm in prison no one even knows me i'm just nothing i'm just this inmate and then, and then it was um, taking a long time to get success. But if we're persistent in God, we're persistent in humbling ourselves under him and giving thanks and counting it joy, there will be maturity and uh, completeness lacking in nothing. It will test our faith and produce something beautiful. Here's another one, Romans 5, 3 through through 4, I think. Not only so, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character and character hope. God is interested in our character. He's interested in us having hope and being um, changed from glory to glory. Have you ever known... Some old person that hasn't yielded to God and they're angry, they're bitter, they're brittle, they swear, they unforgiving. I always think, whoa, you had a whole lifetime to not learn that, <laughs> to stop doing that. <laughs> you know, we have a whole lifetime to yield and become beautiful in Christ. There's a beauty when we are... Um, what maybe the Nazis would say weak. It's not weak. It's a beauty. It's a beauty of being righteous, peaceable fruit of righteousness. Hallelujah. Okay, that was number. I need number. I only have three pages here, but it's kind of funny. Okay, James 1 12. Here we go. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. The same theme over and over and over. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Patiently endure trials and temptation. That's what God's asking of us. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Afterwards, this crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So it's out of love for him that we say, Lord, I will be patient in this. Lord, I, like Paul said, I have learned whatever state I'm in to be content. He had to learn it. I have learned to be content. I'm almost done here. Number nine. 
Okay, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. Again, same exact theme. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, God is so interested in the genuineness of our faith. He is interested that we uh, greatly rejoice, even in our sufferings. That's not easy. I don't say that easy. He can say it. God can say it. And there's the scriptures. We are to give thanks in everything. We are to greatly rejoice. We are to humble ourselves. And, and, And Joseph had to do it. And then when he got out, wow, he had such a great salvation of the whole nation of Egypt and all the nations round about he saved he saved them because he could interpret those dreams and because he was in tune with God even though he could have come out of prison just mad grumpy revenge he didn't have he didn't have any of that okay one more verse now this is John this is James 3:15-16 and 17 and, and before this, be, verse 14 is talking about bitterness and selfish ambition. And this is what marked the Nazis. They were very bitter against the Allies. They were very bitter against Jewish people. They were bitter at anyone who wasn't like, you're not as good as us. I'm not going to be nice to you. I don't have to. I'm not going to. Um, they had self. They were. They are the epitome of selfish ambition. We're going to take over everyone else's land. We're going to take all their stuff, and we're going to populate it with people like us. Just this terrible way how they were. Okay, so this wisdom does not descend from above. It is earthly, sensual, demonic. The way they were was earthly, sensual, and demonic. Where every, where envy and selfish seeking exist confusion and every evil thing are there you start here without God I don't honor God I want I honor myself I honor my people we're gonna we're gonna do this we're gonna do that we're gonna step on anyone we want to and you just have this huge mess here's Joseph I am gonna honor God I'm gonna yield to God I'm gonna yield to him I will worship the Lord he comes out and has this great salvation this great forgiveness Okay, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's what God is looking for in our hearts. He wants us to be peaceable. The Bible says, let your gentleness be known to all. So someone else might say, well, you guys are weak. That's, God is not saying that. God is saying, I love these things in you. These things are more precious to me than fine gold when I see in you faith, when I see in you godly character and hope and, and kindness and mercy. Now, I want to say in closing, I'm going to pray for us. You know, I want to say, I think we are all a lot like Joseph. I think we have all been through testing and hard things that have hurt and been tough. And if you you know, if you've had trials, you know they're trials. They're not like nice little things. They're trials. And so 
in that if we've yielded to the Lord, I know that when we get to heaven, we're going to see so many things that we did in the power of Christ, in the beauty of Christ. Just like Joseph, we are helping others. I know we are, all of us. Um, But another thing I want to say is, you know, God is the source of all good things. He has has infinite good infinitely wonderful good things and so we're not going around looking for these trials so we can get better they can come but i'm i ask all the time for every kind of blessing god i want blessings you've got them i want them i want them for my family i want them for my church lord bless me that i can be a blessing so please make that understanding that god is wanting to give us really good things all the time and we should ask for them But also, if trials come, we should yield, yield, and let that beauty come into us. Okay, so Father, bless all of us. We want to be like Joseph. We want to have a sweetness in us. We want to be merciful and kind and forgiving. And we want to help others. We want to help as many people as we can in the power of the Spirit. So I bless each one of us to uh, remember these words that are your words and be able to do them. Amen. How many of you uh, discovered, you think about when you were 18 years old and looking forward with all the hope for your future, how many of you discovered that some of the stuff was tougher than you expected? (laughs) Yeah. Well, like like Brenda said, uh, we don't obsess about about those things, but we're also, we're also to really not consider it strange when we have all kinds of trials. It's not a strange thing. We live in a fallen world. And I, you know that first verse you shared, Brenda, I just was so struck by that and how you talked about that. Jesus said, I'm giving you my peace. And uh, in this world, you will have tribulation. Yeah. What do we normally do? We're not of good cheer. And we don't have peace. But Jesus says, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Life is, life with Jesus is better. And we carry our own atmosphere, peace, joy, and dance. I got these because I want to wear them. It's my new, it's my new favorite t-shirt. And uh, because I... I I wore, I wore it last night, but I got cold, so I didn't wear it today. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to wearing, wearing them this spring, and we have them in the bookstore now. It's a great witnessing tool that everyone has tri- trials and tribulations, but we carry an atmosphere. We carry an inner world that's our biggest reality, and it's uh, peace, joy, and dance. But I felt like this is a very, very important word that Brenda released, that it's not strange when you get hit by something. It's not strange. God's still with you. And she, she spelled out some really good advice from the Word of God about how to relate to it in a way that's victorious. 
God is crushing Satan under our feet. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We have a ministry team that will be up here in the front that has faith, that will have faith with you for healing and for any need that you'd like prayer for. If you have not started your journey with Jesus, I want to encourage you to come forward and just say, hey, I want to start my journey with Jesus. One of the team members will help you to get started with Jesus. Okay? We love you. God loves you. Go in the hope of his presence, knowing all things are working together for good. All things are working together for good. Romans 8, 28, still in the Bible. Praise God. God bless you. See you next time.